Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. This episode is part of a longer interview I conducted with Jamak Degani, who's the founder of the Data Mesh Concept and is sponsored by her, her company, her startup, Next Data. The goal of these conversations is to dig deeper into specific topics rather than skimming the surface and really discuss Schmack's view of the now and the future of Data Mesh. What is possible now? What can we do to set ourselves up for success in the, in the future? And what is our ideal picture in that future once we have the ways of working and the tooling more figured out? Hopefully, you get some great insights as well as seeing the other side of the funny and wonderful person behind the Data Mesh paradigm. Please do follow Jamak as well for more interesting insights to keep an eye out on what she is working on. I think you'll be very interested and exciting. Now, up next, I'll give a bit of my summary of the episode, so you might focus on a few of the nuanced points that Jamak makes. Sometimes she says some things that are kind of like a picture, right? Worth a thousand words in and of themselves, even when she says one sentence. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and hear some fun music, and then we'll get into that summary. Again, these episodes are a bit of a different approach where we had, Jamak and I had a continuous long form discussion that has been cut around some topic areas. So we start this episode with some overlap from the last, you know, a quick funny scenario from Jamak and about aliens talking about how pipeline thinking and how they would think that we're kind of crazy and how pipeline thinking ends up being kind of like that waterfall approach in software engineering and how that data pipeline approach and how it's not really scalable in the long run, how that led Jamak to take a lot of how to do software development wealth on the operational side, you know, through things like microservices, DevOps and CICD, APIs, product thinking, et cetera, and abstract that from the operational concerns and then recontextualize those uh, working approaches for data. And we can move forward towards value now with Data Mesh while we wait for the tools to catch up. But we do need tooling to change the kind of the general approach to how they do things from that pipeline approach to really get the most value from our data in the long run. You know, that kind of a better buggy isn't going to cut it for shipping things across the country in a train-powered or now heavily paved world. Jamak then goes into how she would approach organizational change via an inverse Conway maneuver, you know, linked in the show notes uh, if you're not familiar with it, and what can we really learn from microservices. And throughout, she's really rallying against this issue that she and I both see of binary thinking. Is it one or is it a zero? And those are the only two options versus the world is is shades of gray. 
Okay, with that shortest summary of the episode done, let's go ahead and get to actually hearing from the woman herself, Shmak Degani. If aliens came to some alien civil, advanced civilization came to Earth and looked at this, I, I bet they will have a big giggle as we creating this really complex system that is not inherently designed around immediate, fast feedback and value. And that's what the software developer in me just kind of feels the pain because if you talk to app developers or software developers, they love showing value and having that rapid feedback. So conversely, in the operational world, that's where I came from, in the microservices world, we redesign ourselves around that rapid feedback uh, of the the value, right? So we created those two pizza teams. We created cross-functional teams. We created microservices that deliver APIs as a product. Like all of these movements have happened uh, in 19... was in 1995, I think one of my first jobs, I was writing a workflow engine. Time moved, like we moved. Like we actually, the word orchestration is almost a dangerous word to use in operational systems. We say choreography because orchestration by definition is a point of synchronization because you have a centralized definition, like single definition of your orchestration. And that's, that's, it's well known to be restrictive and you know fragile when it comes to distributed systems. Orchestration, automated orchestration is almost a, I don't know, badge of honor that you put on the product that you're using. It's still a very much of a today's concept within the data world. So so yeah, so this is I think this is one of the stickiest problems that we have. So yeah, I mean a lot of what you're talking about, it it feels almost like what you're talking about is that this pipeline thinking is waterfall, right? And when people think about the software development life cycle and they think about waterfall versus agile, and not let's not get into agile versus scaled out, agile versus team topologies and or anything right now. But um within this this waterfall approach versus kind of moving to agile approach, what what Do you have any main points? Like, was there anything that you thought was done really, really well in that? Or is there like, is there the anti-patterns or what, when we talk about microservices or DevOps or all these other things, or even product thinking from completely outside of software? When you, what, what inspired you? Like, what, what were the things where you go, this is the thing that we should learn from and we need to adapt it still to data, but we don't need complete rethink versus, hey, the way we do this is just broken and we have to completely come up with a new way. Yeah, I mean, data mesh is that. The four pillars of data mesh is essentially looking at the first principles that we arrived at you know, through practices, or let, let me just rephrase this. The, the principles of data mesh are driven from uh, or abstracted from all of the working and successful practices 
that we apply to the domain-driven microservices distributed operational systems. It's just that, but it's been contextualized to data. So in fact, I've taken all of this practice. I, I, I wish I was a bit smarter and more creative. All I did was I mashed up, right? Um, things, solutions that have worked within a really complex, distributed, chaotic system, when, when in fact chaos is embraced and is practices and engineering and kind of applied it to, to data. And now what we're doing is over time, we try to refine it and refine it further and create tools and create practices. So that domain, the very first kind of principle of data mesh around domain-oriented ownership of the data and architecture is it's exactly that microservices are domain oriented functional capabilities you know business activities encoded you know as computation they're you know they, they are part of a cross-functional team we brought you know we created devops and we you build it you run it we create these cross-functional teams that end-to-end responsible for a business outcome through technology all of that is that first principle of data mesh. But what we're saying is let's extend, you know, let's extend what we're doing. Let's extend, let's catch on the momentum that we had with this modern digital systems and organizations that we build. And let's bring the data play into that as opposed to keep data as still a functionally separated activity. Um, so, so adaptation of, advances that we had over the last 10 years in the operational world to data is the pillars of data. So let's, let's unpack that again. Data as a product. We have that. We talk about API as a product now for, for a really long time, right? The birth of like API management systems and, and so on. So any, any programmable interface that you're exposing to, to some other machine or human being has to be treated as a product, has to be measured as one. So that's data's product. Um, self-serve platform. So creation of the, the language platform, the word platform appears in almost every strategy that organization, every organization has. And the reason, and it's platform as a product, again, is a piece that enables that autonomous teams. Like without it, actually, we can't do, we will have functional, functional teams because without a platform that abstracts complexity, we need folks that understand the complexity, right? And they get centralized because there are very few of them. You end up with specialization. You end up with functional silo. So that was the platform. And finally, computational policies and computational embedded governance is also the same. Like we went from this, you know, illusion that we had that we would put a, you know, firewall around all of our assets and digital assets and we intercept the traffic at the perimeter and, and we're going to be safe. And we're doing that with the centralized data governance. Oh, well, how, how are we support the security of the data if it's not in one place? Well, we went there. We were there, right, many years ago. And in operational world, we embrace zero trust architectures that you trust no one at no place, no matter where they are. And you create these, um, you know, controls and observability and recovery response and so on. Um, you insert this at every single point of interaction inside or outside of your system. So, so I think, so you, to your original question is what can we bring and what can we adapt? That's, that's data mesh's recipe. That's, that's what data mesh is about. I think the next question might be, sorry, I'm putting words in your mouth, but it's okay. This, 
really like advanced future that we're talking about, it's going to take years to get to, right? Like some people, on the, whenever I talk and I talk a bit more about the future, they say, oh, you know, data mesh is not real. We don't have data mesh. Like it hasn't happened yet because things, and, and those are the folks that are very comfortable to live in a binary world, like is is or it isn't. Um, world is not binary. So it is an evolution. And I know you are very keen to spread the word around these evolutionary steps that we can get together with the technology we have today. But ha- but think big. And ThoughtWorks, where I worked before, has this wonderful kind of tagline, uh, tag think big, um, start small, move fast. So we are thinking big about this great future but we have to start small and we have to start somewhere and want to iterate over it fast yeah and um exactly what you're talking about of i don't think we're going to get where we want to go with what we've got now but we can start heading in that direction right it's not that um we're we're looking to head west and we're hoping that uh, we have to wait you know, for cars for another, you know, uh, we're, we're in the 1850s and we have to wait for another, um, you know, 70 years or whatever before there's enough roads and cars to move there versus we can start making that progress. And it's probably a really bad analogy, but I'm trying to think, think of it's that. Very apt. <laughs> it's going to be injuries and a lot of <laughs> hardship. And, and that's true, right? Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm just thinking of the, the video game, the Oregon Trail and all that fun stuff of, of playing that back <laughs> in the day. But um, yeah, of, of well, and, and I think that is something that I've emphasized of like data mesh is bleeding edge and it's called bleeding for a reason, right? Like we are going like it. What, and what, where I'm trying to go with the question of, of like, we've learned these things from the operational world. And a lot of people are trying to just throw out everything when we're looking at data mesh. And some things we do need to throw out and some things we can make progress with and be prepared to throw out. There are places where I think we can take the practices and tweak them and they'll be relatively well adapted, especially to getting us moving, but it might not get us all the way there. And there are certain practices where we know what we've got now, like what got us here won't get us there. And like trying to differentiate what's baby, what's bathwater, what's good now, what's what's good enough for now, what because so many people are thinking that they have to reinvent the entire world, right? And when people are starting to look at that, you, you, like you said, you were in the operational world. You went through the, this is the only way to do microservices. And then everyone going, no, that's, that's silly. That doesn't work. That's, that's stupid. Let's, let's be practical about it. But when people are looking at that, how do they decide? And, and what, what do you think they can just tweak so that they aren't saying I have to start completely from scratch in the way that I do data? Yeah. I, I mean, i Probably I'm not the best person to answer this because there is a you know a degree of understanding organizational change and be- people behavior change, you know that that you know specialist people who are specialized in that like cognitive science. I think there is there's like so much different, so many different disciplines need to come together to introduce those micro steps toward change. 
um, that I'm definitely not the right person to answer. But the way I, if I put my architect hat on, right, and there is, you know, architecture and organizational structure and communication structures uh, mimic each other, um, what I would do is, uh, I think what James Lewis at ThoughtWorks calls inverse Conway's maneuver, where you kind of start shifting now I'm going to completely butcher it. Either you start kind of shifting your architecture so that your people start reorganizing themselves or you reorganize your people to force the architecture to change, right? So I think in this case, yeah, we want to start moving people around and em- emphasizing and getting the intercommunication right first, creating those seams and boundaries implementation can be totally messy, right? It can be, it can be still not super optimized. So let's put that, let's, let's go from the analogy of like microservices and then come back to what it means with data mesh, right? In the microservices world, our services looked pretty ugly. Like these were being built on still like early days on big giant app servers, right? And then maybe lightweight app servers, like they went from, I don't know, on WebSphere to Tomcat and then embedded Tomcat and then embedded, you know, kind of various different engines and so on and so on. And then you end up with this like really tiny container with this nice interface. But that was an evolution of implementation. But what we did get, tried to implement first and get right was the APIs, was how this service interacted with other services, with other applications, and how it automatically configured itself right on the platform. So automation of creation of these things, because we're going to have many of them, and then the seams between the services. So we had very quickly, we had you know, HTTP, of course we adopted HTTP, we created REST, and that evolved over time as well. And then the tooling around observability and things like that started shaping, assuming this new meta architecture, this microservices architecture, right, at the macro level. So I think this, if we adopt the same approach and assume, okay, we don't have this data mesh native capabilities that out of the box will give us, you know, a great data product with all the APIs and all the implementation and so on. But what we can do is we can say the implementation is still messy. Maybe we still use a you know messy pipeline for a particular data product. We still use, I don't know, a warehouse table, which is probably an overkill for a data product. We can still use that. But let's let's encap, let's bring, first of all, let's bring the people together that create that cross-functional domain and domain-oriented ownership of this data product. So start start moving the people so they can they can recreate this architecture around domain-oriented ownership of the data. Let's next thing, let's define the interfaces. How do you get this data? How do we model the data? How do we communicate the data, giving access to the data? Implementation is still messy. And then over time, we can optimize, optimize, optimize the, the actual implementation, right? What's inside of it. So I think that's putting my architect hat and having seen what went with what happened with microservices, I think 
that's how I would approach it in, in terms of incremental shifts. So thanks again to Jamak. As a reminder, please check out her startup, Next Data. There's more information about it in the show notes. They're doing some pretty amazing things. She's hiring lots of folks looking to partner with others and just kind of check it out. As for me, please do follow up with me as well. I'm pretty easy to find. I'd love to chat data mesh or anything kind of in the data realm. Check out datameshunderstanding.com for more information, some useful resources and things as well. And Jamak and I both wish you an excellent rest of your day. Now with that, let's cue that inspiring outro music.